0: It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. And welcome everyone to Rapid fire your 2 a E2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Make sure you tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us. If you want to join the conversation, your voice can be heard if you call the Rapid Fire line. 508-444-2120 is the number. 508-444-2120. Or you can send us a text on the Rapid Fire line. Now we're on Rumble, too. So you can go to and like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms, whether it's Rumble, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, everything. We're at... Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio, wherever you find your preferred method of social media, with or without the government censorship. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I would love to have you join us there. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share to defeat the evil algorithms that are trying to keep us good men down from getting the Second Amendment message out there. The problem is we're Shoveling against the tide, and uh, you know how that goes. Uh, so, we need you to do your part by liking, subscribing, commenting, sharing, and spreading it far and wide to your friends, relatives, neighbors, enemies, and family. But that would be great. Let everyone know about Cape Cod Works and Rapid Fire Radio and all the good work that we're doing and all the good work you're doing by being involved in the show we got lots of questions already rolling in on the chat. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first show of the 2023 season, and we're excited about it. Uh, it is a bittersweet thing because we have a bunch of new politicians being sworn in and a bunch of outgoing politicians, and we also have the the... What am I trying to say? We we have the potential of some major wins this year as it relates to the Second Amendment. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be uh, spike strips put in the road. There's going to be some hand grenades rolled into the room and the doors closed as a result of those big wins. And one of those is, you know, in New York you look at uh, what happened there, uh, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association took on Bruin, the attorney general, or the commandant of the state police, whatever he was um, or is, and sued for their May issue status. In In June, it made it all the way up to the Supreme Court where they decided on it uh, in June and it was very favorable to gun owners, and Clarence Thomas wrote the majority opinion, and basically said that the Second Amendment is not a second-class right. It has long been treated differently than all the other rights, but the truth of the matter is that the same protections all of our rights are afforded applies to the Second Amendment. So you must, on an enumerated constitutional right, apply strict scrutiny. You cannot have a two-step approach. You can't have... Your state legislatures choose to restrict people's right to keep and bear arms outside of the purview of text, history, and tradition of the Second Amendment. And you've had it that way for long enough, but it's one step too many. So we're going back to the original intent, the original intent of our founders uh, when the Constitution was ratified in 1791 and it is going to go back to text history and tradition. This was a massive win for the for the uh gun industry. And this will have the ripple effect into 2023. The other side of the coin is the gun control people, the people who are tyrannical in your rest, in favor restricting your second amendment rights and want us to be like Australia or Canada are going to do everything they can to derail, to stop, to hinder, to delay, to bankrupt, to frustrate our efforts in seeing our rights restored to the original intent of the founders. Tell us what you think. Call or text 508-444-2120. And remember, now that we're in the new year, we're we're moving Rapid Fire to a podcast-only show. You can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us. And we will be off the airwaves soon. So if you're listening to my uh, salty windpipes across the airwaves, at some point you're going to have to find find us online and on the on the podcast, which is great because you get to listen whenever you want, whether you're driving in the car, sitting at home, at work, you know, when you're doing yoga, when you're uh, you know in your happy place, you can put on rapid fire no matter where you are or what you're doing, whenever you want. So that's a big plus to the switch of our format. Um, but anyway, getting back to what I was saying, so we have already states trying to defy this Supreme Court ruling, New York being the the chief offender. We also have New Jersey and Oregon and uh, other states following suit quickly. But we have... Uh, New York, who acted first, they were slapped down by the Supreme Court of the United States in June with this ruling. So what did they do? They rolled up their sleeves, they got to work, and they filed immediately in July the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. So they're going to make it better for you, citizens of New York. Why would you, you know, celebrate this victory? Uh, you know, in June it's ridiculous to to think that you know the supreme court knows better than us tyrants in new york so we're coming out with the concealed carry improvement act and this is going to make your life even better we're just going to further restrict it even worse than it was before we got our hands slapped by the supreme court so what they did was they rushed this new legislation they made blanket statements, uh, blanket uh, sanctuary areas or blanket uh, s- sensitive areas, which was the exact wording from the uh, one of the opinions of the majority, uh, and basically said, oh yeah, all of Manhattan is now a sensitive area, so you can't carry a gun, even in your own place of business, if you're in these areas. So uh, basically, they, uh, they really tried to stick it back at the Supreme Court of the United States. And so now the Second Court of Appeals has got involved, um, and Justice Sotomayor has decided whether or not they're going to take the case, and they asked for some briefs from the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And the interesting thing, I just watched a video that was dropped by the National Gun Rights, uh, org. And they basically broke it down to how the Second Circuit Court of Appeals is defying the Supreme Court of the United States by uh, a four, point, point, four different points. Number one, they say it's way too new. It's too early for you guys just granted cert and ruled on the Bruin case in June. Here it is six months later. We know you're not ready to take up another gun case. So just don't even get involved because it's too fresh. It's too new. There's hundreds of courts working this through around the country. So just stay out of it. Number two, they say uh, this stay or this temporary restraining order is not an error. It's it's not an error. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about that. And uh, number three, they say that. Uh, It won't cause any injury. This new rule, this new law won't cause anyone any injury, even though they're restricting rights in violation of Bruin. And number four, they say, you know what? You should just stay out of it. You're the Supreme Court, but just stay out of it. Don't go poke in your nose where it shouldn't be poked. And we'll get into that on the other side. Uh, Don't forget, we got a poll up on our Twitter page or at rapidfireradio.us. And that is, what is the best way to be a good 2A advocate in 2023? We're all making New Year's resolutions. Number one, you can donate to an advocacy group. Number two, you can write or call in your reps or letters to the editors. Number three, you can go buy a gun. Or number four, introduce someone new to guns. What's the best way? Go vote. Over on our Twitter page, Rapid Fire Radio, all one word, or go to RapidFireRadio.us. This week's discount code is Bodyguard, so don't forget about that. We will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.com slash remote and use code word WORKS. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.com slash remote and use code word WORKS to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex Difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment or self-defense. Give us a call or shoot us a text 508-444-2120 That's 508-444-2120 And the winner from last week on our giveaway for our Rapid Fire Radio and Cape Gunworks morale patches is Stephen D. Look for an email from us, Steve. We appreciate you and uh, take a peek in your email box if you get an email from us you won and we're giving away this week a tin it's a collector tin collect them all no it's not really a collector tin i would say it has no significant value other than what's in it it's full of 20 freedom seeds it's uh fort scott munitions tumble on impact nine millimeter 115 grain bullet in this cool Cape Gunworks tin and this is uh, the ammo is loaded from Fort Scott Munitions, it's really good ammo it's the stuff I carry Um, I love it and uh, it runs really reliably plus it's extremely effective as a defensive round or a hunting round even Um, not to mention uh, it's match grade accurate that's the benefit of the way they manufacture it so uh, pretty cool stuff from Fort Scott Munitions and you're going to get a free tin of ammo as long as you are legally able to own such an item. So uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in. So make sure you go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down, and you can vote to, I'm, um, excuse me, you can enter to win. All right. So um, along the lines of what I was talking about, how New York is one of the biggest offenders of violating people's right to keep and bear arms and they don't like the Second Amendment in New York. Um, I would say New York City specifically because the rest of the state seems to have a great handle on it and, you know, you look at upstate and out in the country, everybody has guns out there and they all hunt and they all carry guns for personal protection but some reason you get in New York City proper and they lose their collective um, brains and decide that it is not okay for you a responsible um, a responsible citizen to own and possess and carry a gun in the public space because they don't trust you. So I have a problem with government who doesn't trust me. Um, that makes it a two-way street. Now I don't trust you. Uh, if you don't trust me with a gun, why should I trust you with uh, a gavel and an ability to write laws that are going to further impede upon my rights as an American citizen? But I digress. Uh, New York is up in arms, if you will, about what the that Bruin decision that came down in June, and so they are openly defying them and now it appears that um, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has defied them as well, and I know Jared from Guns and Gadgets has just dropped a um, a video on this as well i haven 't got a chance to watch the whole thing, but um The preliminary statement from what the Supreme Court asked of the Second Circuit Court of Appeals um, says this. In July of 2022, the New York State Legislature enacted the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, or CCIA, to make necessary changes to the state's firearm licensing and possession laws following the court's decision in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. Shortly after this legislation took effect, applicants, five individuals with carry permits and a sixth individual who has never applied for a firearms license, sued to challenge nearly every provision of the CCIA as unconstitutional, as they should, because it was. <laughs> uh, after giving respondents approximately three weeks to oppose the motion-seeking preliminary injunction as to dozens of district distinct provisions in the U.S. District Court, For the Northern District of New York uh, entered a preliminary injunction against defendants enforcement of vast swaths of the CCIA on a statewide basis. After full briefing and consideration, the three judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit granted respondents motion for a stay of the preliminary injunction pending appeal and ordered expedited consideration of the matter with respondents opening briefs due on January 9th, 2023. So applicants now ask the court to take the extraordinary step of vacating a stay entered by a court of appeals. How dare they? This court should deny the request for multiple independent reasons. As I said before the break, first, applicants cannot show that this court is likely to grant review of the court of appeals. That's awesome. Talk about projection, huh? They're like saying, you know, guys, we know you got a lot on your plate. There's a lot going on in this world. There's going to be legal challenges all along the way. And you guys just ruled on this in June. We got to let this work its way through the court systems. So, you know, you're probably not going to take this up, right? So therefore they're, uh, they're, they're, you know, projecting onto the Supreme court, what is going on. Second applicants have not shown that the court of appeals aired much less clearly and demonstrably aired in issuing a stay. Uh, they give a bunch of legal, you know, precedent to this, uh, And uh, respondents also showed below that a stay was in the public interest and necessary to avoid irreparable injury from the injunction. For example, the injunction would have precluded the enforcement of a good moral character requirement for firearms licensees, therefore requiring the state to issue licenses to people with a demonstrated propensity to misuse firearms, according to us. So the state's not not very happy that people they think Think may use misuse firearms. They no longer have control over that. They can no longer project what a good and moral character de- is defined by. Oh um, my! So, uh, and uh, by contrast, this is the other one. Uh, applicants won't suffer irreparable injury or irreparable injury from the state pending the court's appeals, expedited resolution of the appeal. The injuries cited by applicants are either hypothetical or sufficiently narrow that they cannot overcome respondents strong showing on the merits and equities. At a minimum, any uh, vacator of the stay should be limited to applicants since the statewide relief ordered by the district court is grossly disproportionate to the individual harms alleged. So they're saying really, oh, only these five or six people should actually have relief by the state, not the entire state, because we don't want to. We want to make sure they don't get any relief from our uh, onerous <laughs> gun control schemes. So then they give a bunch of factual background, and it's a long. I guess it's like forty something pages, forty eight pages of uh, you know drivel on why they think that uh, their violation of your Second Amendment rights are just perfectly in line with everything that should be done in and, you know, across the board in New York. So, uh, check that out. Um, go support national gun org, who I think is doing a lot of good work in this, uh, area and, um, you know, keeping tabs on it. You can also check out Jared's video, uh, from guns and gadgets on it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, that, the, and fourthly, they said, said basically that, uh, Scotus should mind its business, its own business. Let us deal with this. Um, and it says that uh, its involvement is pre, its premature invent, uh, intervention is inappropriate and unnecessary. Isn't that true? Oh yeah. So the Second Circuit Court of Appeals now feels it's it's premature, inappropriate, and unnecessary for the SCOTUS to get involved in this case. Uh, Because, frankly, let New York do New York. But SCOTUS is looking at this like, actually, uh, all New Yorkers still live in the United States and have constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. Uh, So whether they live there or not doesn't give you a right to violate said protected rights. But anyway, we'll see how it all plays out. Tell us what you think. Call or text 508-444-2120. And uh, don't forget, we're moving the show to the podcast only, so go to rapidfireradio.us. Just get signed up for whenever we go live. You can interact. A lot of the people in the te- on the chat have said, make sure your radio listeners know how much fun the actual live chat is because you get to be involved. So before the show started, we had some people on the chat, um, and one of the commenters made a great point, and he said, if pre band versions of... "Quote unquote assault weapons aren't jumping off the wall and committing crimes, then what makes them think post, post-ban ones will? Shouldn't the restriction be on the person and not on the individual items? And I would agree 100%. Evil people find whatever tool is expedient, and if they're going to commit evil acts of terror and malice and murder and mayhem, they're going to use whatever is at their disposal. Whether it be a gun, whether it be a car, whether it be a bayonet, whether it be a sword, whether it be a machete or a flamethrower or a Molotov cocktail or flaming cats or hired ninjas. It doesn't really matter. The point is they're evil people and they're fully committing to cause that mayhem and malice. And the best way for you to protect yourself is to get a license to carry and carry a gun can avoid escape and defend learn what you need to know to keep a firearm for self-defense this full session class will introduce you to situational awareness practices and the legal use of force go to capegunworks.com and click on the training calendar look for the avoid escape defend class this is rapid fire i'm toby leary we'll be right back
1: The VT10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at Voltechsafe.com and find us online at facebook.com/voltechSafe.
0: Welcome back to Rapid Fire phone number here is 508-444-2120 if you want to give us a call when we're live or you can leave a message when we're not and we will play your message or get you on the air or you can text us a question or a comment to 508-444-2120 the poll of the day is what is the best way to be a good second amendment advocate in 2023 it is new year's resolution time folks and is is being a 2A advocate part of your resolution if so what's the best way to do it number one you could donate to an advocacy group number two write or call your reps or editors and senators etc editors of the local newspaper number three you could buy a new gun number four introduce someone new to guns in the second amendment way of life they can shoot them so what say you um I'm looking at the poll results right now, and it looks like introduce someone new to guns is at 55%, buy a new new gun is at 22%, Writer call reps and editors uh, is at zero, Uh, okay. And number four, join an advocacy group is at 22% as well, so... Uh, plenty of time to vote in the poll, so go ahead and do that, and uh, you'll be able to see the results. Um, but go to rapidfireradio.us, and you can scroll down and find the poll question, or go to Twitter. It's all one word, Rapid Fire Radio, and you'll be able to uh, chime in on the tw- on the poll. Don't forget, this week's discount code, if you're keeping track, is BODYGUARD. So if you want to shop on our website, you want to get a special savings off the entire purchase bodyguard and again we're rolled it right right into the new year free shipping on anything over 300 bucks so basically a full case of ammo will get you free shipping and yes we ship in massachusetts so the cape gunworks delivery vehicle will hit the road and come to you so pretty cool stuff for the 2023 we're going to keep it rolling as long as we can um all right couple little tidbits of information for you FBI background checks for December of 2022. So December is always a busy gun buying month. People are in the spending money mood for Christmas and for whatever else reasons. But in December, we did 3,036,531 background checks by the FBI. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they were all new gun sales. Um, it could have been you know, someone redeeming a consignment or redeeming a gun or transferring one to a buddy, uh, but still, even still, 3,036,531 is nothing to shake a stick at, which brings the grand total for 2022, 31,596,646 background checks for the year twenty twenty two. Congratulations. AR fifteen. I am applauding all of you right now who went out and made a purchase and did a background check and you know uh <laughs> sold a gun, bought a gun, introduced someone new to shooting, transferred a gun to a buddy, a kid, a father, a friend, um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that is the third biggest year, third largest year of all time in our country's history. So, it's number three on the list, 31,596,646. So, we're only, uh, we're less than 4,000 short of hitting the 32 million mark. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, That's a lot of guns. So, anyway, we'll see how 2023 plays out. What do you guys think? Is it going to be, busier or slower than 2022? 2022 2022 is a little slower than 2021 but not by much um for the from for the most part it was uh you know most people uh it was a it was slightly down which is to be expected because 2021 was just off the rails but anyway um all right, I'm going to get to some of your questions here. Uh, KJ's wondering if I have any reviews on the Springfield Saint 9mm PCC. And no, I don't. Um, I have not seen that. I haven't done one yet. Um, I'm wondering uh, if that... It looks to me like... I, I haven't even laid eyes on one personally. Um, but those are a basically like the Colt AR-15 9mm version. It looks like it takes the same stick mags. And uh, I believe it's the Victor series that comes in 9mm. Um, and so uh, I I would like to check it out myself, uh, but I haven't been able to lay hands on one yet, just been busy. Um, so the St. Victor 9mm carbine, I'm just reading from their website, is designed to deliver a PCC carbine. With the performance and capabilities you have come to expect from the Saint Victor line, and those of you in Massachusetts have not come to expect anything out of the Saint Victor line because they would have been a prohibited gun here in Afghanistan, um, according to um, the Maura Healy's reinterpretation of assault weapons ban and uh, basically turning twenty years on its head. Of settled law, and making it so that we can no longer buy, sell, or uh, buy or sell um, AR-15 platforms in the state, no matter how they're constructed, even if they are constructed in a in a way so as to not um, have the evil features that were outlined in the ban. Um, the only way we can successfully sell AR-15s is as a factory-made. Man- fixed mag AR where the magazine is fixed in the gun and it's awful boring way to buy an AR-15 but it is a way to get one and a lot of the people who hunt uh, coyotes at night etc etc have used that to their advantage and they've made a fixed mag AR um, pistol for hunting purposes because in this state you can hunt with A pistol at night as long as the casing is less than 38 caliber which a 5.56 bullet is it's 0.35 caliber so um, therefore you can hunt uh, with a AR pistol in this state but the only way you can possess an AR pistol in the state is if the magazine is fixed so it it turns out to be a really cool way of uh, exploiting uh, dumb politicians laws and making it so that you can legally hunt with them at night. Uh, And a lot of people I know are putting like a 14 inch barrel on there and not pinning and welding a muzzle brake on there, just putting a muzzle brake on there. So it's a 14 inch barrel. And then you got tons of pick rail for mounting thermal optics or night vision optics on there and being able to use it for hunting coyote. It's a very effective, efficient round. Um, So anyway, that's just something to... Uh, think about. But um, I'd love to see our rights restored in Massachusetts here um, as we uh, progress. Uh, don't forget to give us a call and let you, let us know what you think, 508-444-2120. And the winner of the giveaway last week, which was the Rapid Fire and Cape Gunworks uh, morale patches, is Steve, Stephen D. So look for an email from us. And make sure you go on for the giveaway of our Cape Gunworks branded Fort Scott Munitions 10 of 115 grain tumble on impact ammo. So uh, we'll announce the winner next week. And uh, this week's discount code is bodyguard. So anyway, let's get back to the questions on the chat. Um, The first part was cut off of Frank's question about the ARs. Pre-ban ARs running out at night. If someone owns pre-ban mags and pre-ban lowers, logically speaking, why can't they possess post-ban high-cap mags and have evil features on their post-ban lowers? Um, Frank, an earlier commenter said that uh, there's no room for common sense in any argument that you're going to make. Okay, and that is the law of the land in this state. Common sense need not apply. So stop making rational, logical arguments because it's not going to be considered so uh, <laughs> that's just the way it is unfortunately uh davy thinks that maura Healy is going to give us background checks for ammo um yeah i've seen some states try to do such a thing california's one and uh other states have talked about it and i'm sure maura Healy has never seen a uh gun control ban that she hasn't liked um but um Hopefully, we maintain the status quo, and that is nothing new proposed, um, and we're also probably not going to gain back any rights, especially with her in the corner office with the big fat pen in her hand. Uh, I doubt she's going to sign any pro-gun legislation as it comes down the pipeline, if it were to come down the pipeline. Um, so I have a feeling that as far as legislatively, we're going to see a status quo of nothing new, nothing um, good or bad coming down the pipe. However, I do believe that the courts will be hard at work, even though Gun Owners Action League, the state organization that's doing a lot of good work in this state for advocacy, is going to be real slow to file any type of uh, 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 legal challenges based on the once-bitten-twice-shy rule of how much was spent to get the uh, Warman v. Healy case all the way to the Supreme Court, only to have them not grant certiorari. And so they're thinking about frugally applying the members' funds uh, in a way that would support any other state's legal challenges, maybe in the form of some sort of um, you know, uh, l- legal support, as well as it sets some sort of legal precedent for us to now use as... Uh, when we do take these cases to court, we'll have something to stand on rather than being the test case will be the, um, you know, we can point to say, hey, the Ninth Circuit or the Fifth Circuit or the Second Circuit has overturned these states um, firearms restriction schemes based on the Bruin decision. So um, I think we have some optimism to look towards. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But um, with the fact that The Supreme Court granted, remanded, and vacated lower court's decisions as they apply to these um, assault weapons bans like in California. Uh, It's interesting to see, and I believe also in Maryland they did that, um, when those cases are straightened out, uh, what happens after that. So let's say California gets it right like saint benitez uh judge benitez has already ruled that it is unconstitutional and the ninth circuit court of appeals sent it back down to benitez and he's like yeah like i said before it's unconstitutional here you go and so it's going back to the ninth circuit so we'll see what happens if it makes it all the way back up to the supreme court then it becomes the law of the land in the whole country if not we're stuck with uh waiting till the ninth circuit rules on it and then we can use that as as some sort of uh plus or minus in the column if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license we have regularly scheduled ltc classes including ladies only classes and a couples class coming up in january so you don't want to miss out on the 21st sign up at capegunworks.com and we will be right back this is rapid fire for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.com slash remote and use code word WORKS. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.com remote and use code word WORKS to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex Difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, the first show of the 2023 season. I hope everyone's doing well. Happy New Year. And it's the very first Gun of the Week of the New Year as well. And this this week's Gun of the Week is the Walther PPK. Um, It's a 9mm Kurz, or 380 ACP as it's called. And if you've always wanted to be James Bond, this is your chance. You can come down to Cape Gunworks or you can order online. It's uh, you can go to RapidFireRadio.us and click on the Gun of the Week button also, and you'll be brought right to it where you can add it to the cart and use checkout code GOW to get a special discount on it. But the one we have today that I'm gonna feature is a uh, stainless steel version, and it's all Walther. It's uh Walther Arms. It is not the Interarms or the Smith and Wesson version of it. It's all Walther under the Walther banner now, and uh, it's a pretty cool gun. So go ahead, you can play that uh, if you want to be if you want to be uh, play out your James Bond fantasies. This is the gun you gotta have. So anyway, it's a uh, 380 ACP, and you know if you're out hunting Goldfinger, this is the gun you need. Uh, (laughs) it is pretty cool. Um, I gotta say it's probably not a gun I would Ah! carry. I would ever carry. Um, I'm not a big fan of the slide mounted thumb safety on it, but the cool factor of this gun is really, is pretty awesome. It's just a classic design. Um, and you know, it served James Bond very well through many decades. And, uh, it's a double-action pistol, so the first shot, you're going to have that heavy double-action trigger pull, and then you'll have that single-action trigger pull for every each and every shot after that. Um, so it's a nice light uh, single-action on the second and fo- the rest of the follow-up shots. Um, it also has a decock, so if the hammer's back and you put the safety on, it decocks the hammer. So there you have that. Um, this one has fixed... Sights that are machined right into the slide, the top of the slide, to keep the overall appearance of it down. And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool gun. Comes with the little extended magazine with the thumb, uh, excuse me, with the pinky grip on it. And it's got the nice hard plastic uh, grips. The other thing that's pretty neat about this is the case it comes in. It's like a velvet-lined uh, box, Walther box with a lo- nice little locking hasp on it. It's a They do a pretty good job packaging these up now. And this is still an extremely popular gun. I don't know if it's the nostalgia of it um, or if people just think they need one in their collection because it's a, such a cool gun. Obviously, these guns were made in thirty two ACP as well as three eighty but the three eighty is way more popular in this country uh, and you know for all the right reasons it's a more modern cartridge in my opinion um, but it's a it's a neat gun. Um, I actually have a customer that I just got this fully engraved for we did a crazy engraving job all the way around and it's going out to get plated now but so there's lots that you can do with this gun it's pretty sweet and uh Uh, Fun little gun to have in the collection. Uh, Certainly strike up a conversation um, and live out your James Bond fantasies. Who at some point in their life hasn't thought, man, what a cool job, right? To be uh, some MI6 operator that (laughs) runs around the the globe solving crime. But anyway, uh, there you go. That's the gun of the week in all its glory, is the Walther PPK. So use code G-O-W for the Gun of the Week. Go to rapidfireradio.us and click on the Gun of the Week button in the banner to get your hands on this week's Gun of the Week. Very cool Walther PPK. All right, we'll be back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I appreciate you guys being here. And each and every week following along. And if you're not following the live show, you need to go over to rapidfireradio.us and get signed up. Because it's so much more fun to interact on the chat. We'll get to your questions and answers and comments etc. Don't forget the poll of the day, which is what's the best way to be a good Second Amendment advocate in 2023? Donate to an advocacy group, write or call your representatives, senators, or editors, buy a new gun, or introduce someone new to firearms. And that is still in the lead. Introduce someone new to firearms at 50%. Join an advocacy group is now at 28.6% and buy a new gun is 21 uh percent i think all of you who are voting buy a new gun are trying to check too many boxes with one thing you want you want to get something out of it is what i'm reading between the lines you want you want to support someone who's doing some good work and get something out of the deal i get that i'm i'm not far behind you um and writing or calling your state reps or your federal representatives is still pulling it a whopping 0%. I can't believe that. I seriously think that's a really important job to write, call, uh, or, you know, be out there in the public. So anyway, uh, G-Web says the PPKs shoot well, solid guns for the caliber. It's old, but it's fun to shoot for sure. Uh, From the text line, Toby, I dropped off a renewal application at New Bedford PD beginning of September 2nd, weeks ago. I finally received a letter stating that they received and sent the application to Department DCJIS for review and issuance, and it could take another two months. My license expires today. What gives? Best regards. Well, Rob, the good news is you've renewed before it expired, so you're totally fine. You're grandfathered in. You can buy guns, buy ammo, carry And possess your guns pending uh, the renewal. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, That is one good thing that was changed. They knew they couldn't comply with the law, which is they must reply within 40 days. And they never do. They don't even try anymore. So anyway, uh, KP's been trying to call in and he said it's going to a fax machine. Do you know why that is? You have it set up some way. But anyway. 508-444-2120. Give us another try, KP, and we'll see how it it goes. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, so I would definitely document your progress through that, Rob, um, through New Bedford PD. And uh, if you dropped it off on September 2nd, um, they have 40 days to respond from then. So obviously they're way behind the eight ball. I would just get your ducks in a row because you have ninety. You've you've technically been given a denial, even though that's not likely to happen. So I would say you have ninety days after the forty days has elapsed. So forty days from September second is when the ninety day appeal process kicks in. So you want to make sure that you don't let it lapse past that ninety days. You want to appeal. Um, so anyway, uh, there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, Duncan is wondering if the uh, Cape Gunworks fixed mag or or if a fixed mag AR will keep us safe from the looming pistol brace ATFBS. The answer to that, I, I'm afraid, is no. So you're, we're going to have to find another end around. Well, there's basically three choices as I see it. There might be a fourth choice out there, but the way I see it is the ATF pistol brace ruling is said to come down here in January of 2023. And there's three possible options. Number one, you comply, you take the brace off your AR pistol or your braced pistol. And B number two door. Number two is you do nothing. You say, Hey, there's 40 million of them out here. Come and take it. A lot of people are going to do that. I can't recommend that in good conscience because technically you could be the one person that gets jammed up for it. So that would I'd feel awful if if you did. So I would say we're not going to advise that, but that is certainly something that is going to happen. And then uh, C is you can simply um, you you can take advantage of the amnesty that is sure to come, and allegedly uh, they're going to give amnesty. As an SBR, they're going to say, you built an SBR, but we're not going to charge you the $200 tax, and we're going to let you file it, send us pictures of the gun, serial number, blah, 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 and if we deem that it is, in fact, a braced pistol that needs to become an SBR, we're going to let you do it under amnesty, and um, you'll send us pictures and photographs and fill out the form and all the usual stuff that goes through making a short-barreled rifle, so... That one I am hesitant to advise on as well because what if you send them all the pictures, serial number, blah, 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 and they say, No, it doesn't qualify for amnesty, you gotta pay the two hundred dollar tax and oh, by the way, you made an SBR and you know, you're in violation and now you're gonna get rolled up in some sting operation when the ATF shows up on your front porch and knocks on your door. So I don't know what's going to happen, but those are the three options as I see it. So, but let me know what you think. Call or text 508 444 2120. That's 508 444 2120. All right. Uh, Mike says, I've been an advocate for decades. I'm an NRA benefactor, Golden Eagle life member, and also a life member of the Citizens Community Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms and a monthly supporter of the Firearms Policy Coalition. My advocacy began in 1975, working to oppose the infamous Massachusetts handgun ban ballot question. Yes, uh, um, that was before my uh, conscious days. uh, The world, for me, started in 1975. Mike, so you've been doing this longer than I've been alive, or at least as long as I've been alive. And um, that was a ballot initiative to just blanketly ban all handguns in Massachusetts make it handgun ownership illegal go full Justin Trudeau on us um so if you don't think that's what the gun control agenda is after you're sorely and sadly mistaken and we've been saying that for the 30 years I've been a gun owner where people have said um you know oh they're never coming for your guns yeah right um so anyway, uh, that's certainly something that, that, that uh, is going to happen. Uh, they are coming and they will not stop till they get there. All right. So let's see, uh, um, getting back to the chat, uh, that Gen 5 Glock 20 looks nice. Too bad us losers in mass can't buy one. Uh, well, there are ways of getting a Gen 5 Glock 20, um, and Billy says, I'm, I'm really loving that Glock 43X. So, there are people um, that buy frames, and then once you own the frame, you can buy the slide and barrel and all that stuff and magazines for whatever gun you want. There's no law that says you can't own a Glock in Massachusetts. There's just laws that say us, as the licensed gun shop, can't sell it to you. So, anyway, it's ridiculous, but uh, we got. Uh, Richie says the G3 and the G3 Compact are nice guns. To, those are both made by Taurus, and I agree they are. Uh, g Webb says, I carry a flaming cat because a cop is too heavy. That's, that's good advice. Good advice right there. Flaming cats come in handy when you need them. And uh, <laughs> they make a great noise, too. Just kidding! I know the MSPCA will be out picketing my place tomorrow. Because, um, you know, satire in the 21st century has been completely and utterly removed from society because somebody might be offended. So I'm sorry about that if I offend you. Um, and I know that, uh, I know a lot of crazy cat ladies that would be offended by what I just said. Um, 500's pointing out that High Point is now making a 10-millimeter handgun. Hey, maybe it's the Yeet Cannon. So uh, <laughs> another... Uh, 10 millimeter high point there you go um let's see and billy points out that high points aren't known for their quality i will say that they do a great job with their carbines their rifles are actually a lot of fun and they're pretty rugged they're ugly as sin but they run well and they're a lot of fun to shoot i gotta say that and we sell a bunch of them and i've never had one come back for any type of quality issues whatsoever um let's see Uh, now a lot more people will be able to afford 10 millimeter and that's awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, G webs points out that writing or calling your reps, senators and editor editors, you know, in newspapers is important, but not the best way to be a second amendment advocate in 2023 in his opinion. And I would agree with that, uh, KP Absolute, uh, why can't we just buy one in-store with ca- standard capacity magazines? Davey, as I pointed out to uh, someone earlier in the show, I think it was Frank, um, common sense has no place in the mass legislature. So don't bring up common sense and logical arguments because it doesn't work. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, Davey predicts that there will be more gun sales in 2023 unless the economy completely cr- crashes. So that could be that could be true. Um, let's see. Awesome! Wow, first hour is in the bag. So uh, that's the end of the first segment, guys. But we have our long format segment coming up with. Mike Deddy, you don't want to miss this. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. Uh, I'm really excited to have him back on the line. We had him on Rapid Fire earlier, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. If you're listening on the radio, you're going to want to jump on the podcast to get that uh, side of it. So thanks for tuning in. Ends here but goes on for another hour. So tune in at rapidfireradio.us. Call or text the Rapid Fire line 508-444-2120 and go to rapidfireradio.us. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. Stay tuned. We'll be on the other side with Mike Deddy after this. I'm Toby Leary. This is Rapid Fire.
1: It can tear up a family.
3: He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Cohort was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016.
1: To have everything you work for taken away
3: Cowart was suspended and then terminated from his job with ford where he'd worked for nearly two decades
1: to have somebody have your back and i have a company that have your back and then they put me in touch with a great attorney that was the best feeling
0: go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family
1: Alexander Hamilton
0: said, Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road Hyannis or capegunworks.com.
3: Constitutional carry has become all the rage these days. Apparently the mainstream media has gotten all over this term and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions, as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training, and you know your laws, so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Mikulowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine.
0: Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. Now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. We're all over social media, Is at Kate Fire uh, and at Rapid Fire Radio. Um, we're also on Rumble now, you can watch us on the Rumble Cam. And uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Wherever you get your social media, you'll find us at Cape Gunworks as our handle. So uh, we're really happy to have on the second hour here with us joining us. Uh, live is Mike Deddy, who's uh, resident of Tucson, Arizona, as far as I know, last known address. <laughs> and uh, Mike, how are you today? And thanks so much for coming on Rapid Fire. We appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. Well,
2: first of all, Happy New Year, and thank you for having me back. I do still live in Tucson. so
0: All right. Good guess yeah. on my part. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we're happy to have you back as well, and Happy New Year also. And, uh, Mike, you know, when I had you on the last time, we talked about your book. I hadn't read it yet, which I have since. Um, but you wrote a book called uh, Operation Wide Receiver, um, which talks about the ATF's gun walking scheme and all that, but I know you do a lot of other stuff. It wasn't just a one-hit wonder for you. That is a way of life, uh, is writing. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you've been up to the past few years and what it is you do and uh, how you, you know work in the firearms industry?
2: Sure. Um, I guess this is probably about the 30th year that I've, I've worked as a gun writer I work primarily for Athlon Outdoors and they have titles like ballistic and combat handguns, uh, tactical life, personal defense world, and so forth. They have quite a few gun related titles before them. I worked for Harris, um, and Athlon actually, uh, bought Harris's old titles when they went out of business. But like I said, this is my 30th year of, of gun writing. Um, regarding the, the topic of my book, um, Uh, In the year 2000, I incorporated, I had a sales company and was a distributor for DPMS, Armalite, and Rock River Rifles, uh, dealing primarily at Arizona gun shows, selling uh, different AR-15 platform guns, and that's kind of what got me into that mess.
0: Mm. Yeah, it was a very interesting read. I know... uh that was kind of the heyday of gun shows throughout America, too. Was it not like the early 90s? It was when I first became a gun owner in 93. And uh, I remember going around to gun shows. There was one every weekend somewhere. And uh, that was kind of the heyday, right? It, it, you guys.
2: Sure. Yeah. Especially in Arizona. Arizona is a, a very uh, gun friendly environment. And um, we had gun shows, different promoters, of course, just about every weekend between Tucson and Phoenix and, and then Northern Arizona and just having an Oh one type of FFL. Um, I didn't try to, st- uh, go to shows out of the state. So they were primarily Arizona gun shows And in the rare occurrence. That I had a weekend off. Uh, I would spend that weekend, uh, usually working on articles cause I was, I was doing that as well at the same time. So, yeah. um,
0: the good old days, as I like to call it, and then in '94 we had the big assault weapons ban come down the pipeline, and did. Were you still a gun dealer as of that time?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, uh, talk about worthless bill. I mean, it, it 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 did absolutely nothing, and that's why it was allowed to sunset in 2004. I mean, there was no demonstrable uh, effect on on crime because of the restriction of things like muzzle brakes and pistol grips it just it was so badly put together um, yeah, and and the results were were predictable and that's why they allowed it to sunset
0: mm, yeah unfortunately for those of us in Massachusetts we are still living under that wow. archaic uh, law that was so poorly written and did nothing for uh, making us safe. It it only hindered law-abiding citizens. And then on 7-20-2016, our Attorney General acted as judge, jury, and executioner, uh, acted basically as all three branches of government, and declared a new way of interpreting that 94 assault weapon ban that we live under, because we made it permanent in 98, and basically said that any of those enumerated guns, whether or not they've been neutered to be sold without those evil features, can't be sold in Massachusetts because they're on this enumerated ban. And basically what? took 20 years of legal precedence and threw it out the window. And also, you know, the country lived under this law for 10 years. And not one attorney general, whether state or federal, across the country ever looked at it the way she did and now tomorrow she gets sworn in as governor of our state. Lucky us, huh?
2: Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know that that is so foreign to me in, in my experience as a gun owner and shooter uh, here in Arizona, and um, I, I guess you could call us the Wild West. I mean, you still see guns and gun racks in the back of pickup trucks, and and uh, it, it's nothing to be sitting at a restaurant and hearing some other talking about taking her child shooting or, uh, or whatever it's, uh, I mean, these conversations in any other uh, state or, or major Eastern city uh, would probably provoke a call to law enforcement is,
0: yeah. you know,
2: or CPS is like, how in the world would they ever let their child shoot a gun?
0: Well, um, it's, it's funny you say that because I traveled to uh, Prescott, Arizona, probably when I was, I don't know, 17 or 18 years old. And, I remember walking the streets and I went in a gift shop and I came out and turned up the road. And here comes a guy full on cowboyed out with his six shooters on both sides of his, uh, you know, both sides. And I'm like looking for the cameras, like, where's the movie set? Where's the, you know, what's going on? Is there some sort of like reenactment going on or whatever? And the guy just walked right by and went into the gift shop or convenience store, whatever the heck it was and i'm like wait a minute that guy's just he's not pulling my leg he's not gigging me there's no hidden camera somewhere like that's a way of life here i was so blown away and and uh it was the first time i ever saw anyone open carrying and uh it was pretty cool to see i was i was blown away by it
2: it's a um unusual environment for sure i i came to arizona to finish college from uh suburban philadelphia and was unaware of uh, what the term open carry meant of course now we, we we still have open carry here but we also have constitutional carry which doesn't require a uh, uh, concealed carry permit to to mm. conceal a gun um, and, and that, that seems to be a trend across the United States but uh, interesting anecdote regarding Prescott um, a couple summers ago Antifa decided that they were going to invade Prescott and They all got on a bus and went to downtown Prescott, which uh, you might be familiar with the term Whiskey Row, where all the old saloons are. Mm. And there were quite a few guys standing out in front of the saloons, my age, maybe a little older, maybe some younger, all well-armed. And uh, one or two people got off the bus, looked around, got back on the (laughs) bus. And that was the last that Prescott saw of uh, Antifa.
0: Yeah. Yeah. An armed society does tend to be a polite society, does it not?
2: You have to be. I mean, unless you're willing to take a, a, a butt kick and you're going to have to be polite to the person that has the gun.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, to get that mentality through in some of the states like here in the Northeast, in Massachusetts, if you will, or New York or Connecticut or Rhode Island or whatever, where... People don't understand that concept. They might have grown up without guns. They've certainly got quite the education from our, you know, academia here in Massachusetts, which tends to um, look down its nose condescendingly at people who are such knuckle-draggers that they think they need to own a firearm to keep themselves safe. Um, But once people realize that, you know what, guns really do make a a safer, more polite society, just as our framers intended in the original, uh, you know, Constitution, when they acknowledged that this, uh, the right to self-defense, is the most basic human right, and you know, people were much more neighborly for. Hundreds of years for the first 200 years of our country's history, and it wasn't until like gun control really took root and started to ban them in inner cities and uh, ban them in in, you know other areas and make sensitive places etc. That gun control, gun crime, if you will, or crime that uses gun as an expedient tool of uh, you know opportunity, if you will, um, really started to take effect. And it isn't when you see the correlation between uh, communities that ban guns have higher crime rates and communities that have free and uh, freedom and and plenty of guns at their disposal seem to be some of the safest places on earth. Why do you think that's so hard for people to understand in this day and age? Is it they don't know?
2: I I think because if they were to, to agree with what you just said, um, it would cause them to reevaluate their their uh, everything that they believe and want to believe in. And if, from my point of view, it seems that the left always regards themselves to to being superior in morality, and that they're um, oh more educated, more compassionate towards others, and and so forth. And um, you know, now we got kids that don't know what restrooms to use and, mm. and, you know, their pronouns change constantly and it, it's just become a, a mess. Um, and this all started, you know, when, when we, when we took God out of school, when we took the pledge of allegiance. I mean, every uh, day of my uh, parochial and public school, they started with the pledge of allegiance and, uh, looking back, the fact that kids aren't doing that anymore, um, that's too bad in, in my book. I, I, I think uh, our country would be a better place if, if our kids were being educated like that.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think uh, good education of our the founding of our history and our uh, the, the Constitution and how it's r- really written and it only works for a moral people, if you right. if you're not a moral person or a group of moral people, and in in some cases you could even substitute that for religious, because that's really the root of of morality is religion. So if if it is not a religious or moral people, then it, it erodes quickly. Right now, I can right. you can almost understand people's argument for why why they shouldn't trust people with firearms because they've been taught that they're wild animals and there's no uh, right or wrong there's no absolutes there's no uh, moral standard to to judge by and whatever people think is right is right and you see that as you just explained in a lot of the shifting of uh, the boundaries in our society and the in the the moral decay of our society Um, but It wasn't always like that. I think as people respected each other and respected law and respected the rule of law and respected where law comes from, uh, you know, it was a much safer place where you're more likely to have a neighbor come to your aid than to assault you, you know. (laughs) And unfortunately, in this day and age, we we don't see it as much in in some of the societies where um, everything you just explained, you know... Happens so. Um, just to shift gears a little bit, you um, you're currently writing articles. What is the majority of what you write about? Is it firearms? Is it uh, some of those issues we've been talking about? Is it everything? Is it you know? Or are you still kind of you used to do a lot of writing for law enforcement kind of um, magazines and and from a law enforcement perspective, I believe. If I'm if I'm not sure. mistaken.
2: Um, uh, just about everything that I'm doing now is just straight up gun evaluation. So, uh, you know, typical, like today, I, I've got a, uh, a new 1911 from Savage that I went out and shot, and had a lot of fun with. And, uh, um, in my brief 200 rounds with it, it, it's superbly accurate, nice trigger, no stoppages whatsoever. So, um, it, it's going to get high praise from me. And, um, yeah, that's typically what I do. I don't do t- too much uh, re- regarding laws or uh, different cultural things. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll do a piece that's a nostalgic piece talking about uh, some shooting event I did as a child, or or uh, you know, an experience I had with my grandfather's shotgun, something like that. But then not too often.
0: Yeah, so you get to test and evaluate a lot of a lot of new guns and. Uh, do you have a favorite of one that you've tested and evaluated lately or?
2: Well, uh, it's, it's been, I think about two years now, uh, Springfield Armory's Hellcat has become a personal favorite of mine. Mm. Um, it's just such a, a great gun for, for carrying a small gun that has a, a very nice capacity and, uh, superbly accurate. You can mount an optic on it if you want. And, uh, I don't think mine's ever jammed the entire time that I've had it and shot it, and I've got a couple thousand rounds through it now. Um, but it's it's one of those guns that I pick up along with my car keys when I'm getting ready to head out the door.
0: Mm-hmm. And when I was read when I read your book, it seemed like your everyday carry back back then was the uh, was the 1911. I yeah. I personally am a guy that used to carry a 1911 every day in fact it's sitting right here the one i used to carry is colt combat commander and uh i carried that for 15 years and now i carry a sig 365 so you've kind of come full circle as well and carry the nice subcompact striker fired 10 round or 12 round uh pistol at this point. yeah you know there's
2: absolutely nothing wrong with the 1911 i think that the gun that i carried most uh dwight van brunt i don't know if that he recognized that name but for a lot of years he was in charge of kimber's marketing and uh, we went to dinner one night at shot show and i explained to him a little bit what was going on with myself and atf and the cartels and so forth and uh he took a napkin and he, he said, if you were going to build your, your dream 1911 to carry, what would the features be? And of course I want a beaver tail on night sights, and, uh, I wanted an aluminum frame for, for lightweight and the three inch barrel. Um, and his custom shop built me a gun to my specs. And that was the gun that, that I carried mostly during operation wide receiver. And, uh, I think I had it loaded with Korriban's Powerball Loads, which was 165 grain, um, it a 165-grain round that had a plastic ball at the tip of it. So it wasn't truly a hollow point, but that the, the purpose of that plastic ball was to push in and make that bolt expand on contact with something solid. Mm. And I, I felt very well protected with that as I've gotten older and, and comfort has become more important to me <laughs> than power, uh, these little nine millimeter striker fired guns. I mean, there's no exposed hammer. There's, uh, no external safety to dig into your stomach. They're sleek. You can wear them for long periods of time. You can bend over and tie your shoes and, and not have, have it pop out of your waistband, providing you have the right, uh, right holster for it. Mm. And, uh, so those have, have become, I, I still, like I said, I still love 1911s. I spent a lot of time up at gunsight training with 1911s. I shot them in competition for years. I had them in Marines. Um, it's a gun that, that I enjoy, and I've probably got 30 or 40 of them in my gun safe. But uh, to, to carry a full-size steel frame 1911 is uh, uh, not something I'd consider doing these days. Yeah.
0: I'm right there with you. And we're talking with Mike Deddy. He's an author. Uh, We're here on Rapid Fire Radio 2A talk show. You can call in or or text your questions. If you have any questions for Mike, it's 508-444-2120. So call in or text your questions to ask Mike a a question. Um, And, Mike, you you brought up a good point about... um, I'm the same way as you. I this is the last 1911 I own the Colt Combat Commander, and I actually sent it to Nighthawk Customs and had them do their full treatment nice. to it. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. I'd never consider carrying it anymore, but um, you know, you look back and the first, I think the first one to do what has been done with the striker-fired subcompact guns was SIG with the 365. That was really a game changer, right? And um, the Springfield Hellcat is a phenomenal gun for us here in Massachusetts because it's one of the only striker fired guns that was tested in a way for sale in Massachusetts that doesn't have a thumb safety. So you can actually have the striker fired subcompact and they make them in a 10 round magazine version for Massachusetts. Uh, but we don't have to have a thumb safety. Whereas the Sig 365 has a thumb safety and uh, you know, this, uh, the other one there, the uh, Ruger, Max 9 has a thumb safety. That that version is the thumb safety version. But um, that is a great option for someone, and plus the advent of how they're all coming out with this optics-ready version is, has been great, um, especially for someone like myself with some aging eyes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it makes it a little more fun, but uh, fun to shoot. You know, yeah,
2: that's, that, that's a great subject because uh, uh, there's a lot of people my age. I'm 64 now. um and older people, uh, just by nature, are reluctant to try a new technology. And in regards to red dots, somebody my age or older, maybe even younger, bad eyes, if you're listening to this, give it a try. Because what that red dot does is it puts everything on the same focal length. So you can look at your thread or your target and just superimpose that red dot on it. Now, there's no parallax, so there's no lining anything up. Mm. It's Like a video game, it's putting a red dot on the target and pressing the trigger. Your eye is not trying to focus on the front sight, going to the rear sight, going back to the target. It's just keep your focus on the target and put the red dot on. It's that easy. And for anybody my age and older, I would encourage you, um, go go to an indoor range, go to a public range, find somebody that has a red dot and beg them to use it and see what a difference it'll make. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was I was very reluctant uh, to go to it at first, mainly because of the cost. When it, they first started becoming all the rage, it was cost prohibitive in a lot of ways. To say you got to buy a five hundred dollar gun, then you got to send out your slide to someone who's going to charge anywhere from two to three hundred bucks to mill it out, and then you got to buy a five hundred dollar red dot. There were no such thing as a hundred or two hundred dollar red dot sight at the time. So by the time you're done, you're into it for. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks, and it's your everyday carry gun. Who's spending that kind of money on a small? Now, for thirty bucks more, you can buy the optic ready version of just about every gun. Right. And so the thankfully the industry is has come alongside of this trend and and the big advantage to it. I've always advocated is um, I think it helps mostly with distance and extreme precision. So. Um, if you're shooting in what is most likely to happen in a defensive situation, you're probably going to have both eyes open, focus on the threat, drive the gun out in and parallel with your line of sight and, and fire in a kinesthetic alignment with the target and, and be able to hit it. Um, but if you need to take a more accurate shot, it's not just defensively accurate. That's, you know, might be a hostage situation or the penalty for a miss is more catastrophic, if you will, um, then I want to make sure that i 'm hitting, and now the red dot really helps, not to mention at distance it it helps quite a bit um, sure and one of the I would say the tertiary advantages to red dot sight is actually during my string of fire. It reminds me of the old cartoons where you watch the ball bounce on the words during the songs, but yeah. you kind of see that red dot bouncing in your in your vision and superimposed over the target, like you said you pretty you pretty much know you 're right on target so it, it does you know, one, and
2: one of the great things about the red dots is they'll help your shooting. I mean, if you're at the range and you're just shooting at targets, uh, you, you don't have two sides of the line anymore. You just have that red dot. Mm. And to keep that red dot on the same target all the way through to your, your trigger press, all of a sudden you're going to realize just how important your trigger press is because if, if you're dipping the muzzle or you're yanking it, it's going to show up immediately. The other thing is... Um, Police departments are actually issuing these on guns now. So over the years, we've seen these red dots go from something you could use at a match, and you might burn through a battery at a match, to now going one or two or even three years on the same two-dollar battery. Right, and that's a tremendous thing. I mean, um, and they're rugged. I mean, you you, on a service gun, that gun could be thrown across the room on concrete, whatever. You're, You're Point of impact is not going to change, and um, most likely that that optic is still going to work. Just about everybody's using backup iron sights. You have to. That's great. But um, it's a great thing for law enforcement because uh, you can get somebody all the way through the academy, through their academics and physical work and so forth, but if they can't qualify with a gun, you've invested a lot of money in somebody who's now not going to be a cop. Mm. And uh, if you look at the scores, and and I believe it was Norwich University did a a, a study, one platoon using uh, red dot optics and the other using iron sights, same gun otherwise. And um, gosh, it it seems like on the first pass that they were qualifying like 30% more people than they used to. Uh, Before they start using red dot optics.
0: Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. I want to talk about that on the other side. We do have, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Mike Deddy, so you want to hang on. If you have a question for him, you can always call or text 508 444 2120. And if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license yet, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only classes and a couples class coming up quickly on January 21st. So we get signed up at capegunworks.com and we will be right back. More with Mike Deddy after this. This is Rapid Fire. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.com slash remote and use code word works your family safety and security is your responsibility go to uscca.com slash remote and use code word works to sign up for a uscca membership and get special training legal advice and legal protection you and your family need vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex Difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we are having a great talk with Mike Deddy, who's an author from Tucson, Arizona. He's uh, written many, many articles over the past 30 years in various uh, firearms publications, as well as that book, Operation Wide Receiver, a story of how uh, Mike, as a great patriot in service of his country, got mixed up in some of the ATF gun running operations which i think ended up leading to operation fast and furious if i'm not mistaken and uh before we talk about that i do want to bring that up a little bit if you don't mind uh, sure. but just to kind of close the circuit on the red dot sites um one of the things i would i would just be a little hesitant on is along the lines of what you were just talking about which is a hundred percent true it's easier to give a a new shooter a red dot pistol and have them hit the target a lot easier than with iron sights however um, batteries can die and optics can break so it's still very important to get the basic fundamentals down of kinesthetic alignment with the target just being able to get the gun in in parallel with your line of sight and be able to shoot the gun uh, that i would say is your primary uh, and sights are always a secondary type of aim so uh, fundamentally being able to shoot your firearm is always the most important part. Front load your training, front load some practice so you can get good at shooting your gun, and then the red dot's going to make a big difference uh, for you. And along the lines of what you were talking about, you you mentioned uh, lining up, instead of having to line up two things, you only have to line up one, but I'd actually argue that it's lining up three things with sights, your front, your rear, and the target. And with a red dot, some people get this idea that they want to have the red dot co-witness with their sights and i'm like the only thing harder than lining up three things is lining up four things <laughs> so you're defeating the whole purpose of a red dot just put it in the middle of the reticle and have fun right well
2: i tell you what you know in regard to a red dot there and the iron sights if your iron sights are on it makes sighting in that red dot a lot easier cause right. what i do is put the dot right on top of the front sight there and if everything's aligned then. um that makes sighting it in quite a bit easier.
0: I agree with that, absolutely. In fact, you don't even need to shoot the gun to to sight it in. Technically, if you, if you have that at your as your advantage, um, Mike, we got a question here on the chat. What is your favorite caliber, if you have one?
2: Gosh, I have so many. Uh, I guess it would go by what I reload the most frequently. Uh, Forty-five ACP, you know, being a nineteen eleven guy. Is number one top of the list. Number two is probably thirty-eight special. Mm. I shoot. I love to shoot revolvers and uh, been doing quite a bit of that in the last two years up at Gunsight. sight. And uh, third is another forty-five caliber, forty-five Colt. 40, or some people call it long Colt, but forty-five Colt. I was out this morning and I, I just I bought myself for Christmas a Pieta three and a half inch single action. Mm. And uh, reloaded over to Holidays for it and using a 250-grain poly-coated boat bullet. And uh, just had a ton of fun with that. There's just something about those old single actions that just make them a, a joy to shoot.
0: Love them. I've always, you know, I used to own a Ruger Blackhawk. I sold it, but I, the reason I sold it is I want the Vaquero or a single-action army or some... You know, maybe a Pieta or something like that. But in the People's Republic of Massachusetts, if it's not on the roster, we're not getting them. You know, so uh, we we have very limited choices when it comes to single actions. But uh, the the Ruger Vicero is a is something I've always wanted and I've had my eyes on, and and uh, so one of these days, it's on my short list of guns to own. But I love shooting single action; it's a lot of fun. Um, I want to turn uh the attention if you if you will a little bit toward what you wrote your book on and uh just let everyone if you wouldn't mind tell everyone what it is that you did and and by the way if you want to call it's 508-444-2120 um is the number but uh you know in the in the purview of you being a gun dealer and i've had the atf say the same thing to me a lot like hey if you suspect somebody's you know buying guns for somebody else as a straw purchaser for you know shouldn't be or is buying for a prohibited person give us a call you know we're going to help clear up the air and all this and you know I've always thought like yeah that's definitely something I would do it's never occurred in my store thankfully um but uh we've you know we know that straw purchasing is a is a, is a crime that exists and it does happen and uh where you were in the in the gun show world uh back in the 90s you had uh, an interesting uh interaction with some cartels down there and why if you wouldn't mind giving us the reader's digest version of it i don't want to steal the thunder i want everyone to buy your book and read it because i did and it was great it was worth reading sure. but give sure. us the cliff notes and version
2: and, yeah. in regards to helping the atf uh, that's a slippery slope and and one of the reasons I wrote that book is just to be a, um, kind of a, a cautionary tale for somebody who might be too eager to such federal law enforcement as, a, as I was. Anyway, uh, 2006, I was at a gun show at the Phoenix Fairgrounds, and I, I had a young man come up, and he asked me if I had any AR-15 lowers. I think I had six, and uh, he bought them all. And of course, he had to fill out the background check because the lower receiver of an AR-15 has a serial number, so it's considered a weapon by itself in the, the eyes of the law. Passed the background check, um, I thought, well, that's kind of odd. You know, he what his knowledge was not great, and uh, um, it's not unusual for people to buy six guns, but to all be exactly the same—that's a little unusual. Mm. And then he came back the next day and he said, hey, I was just—I wanted to know if you had any more of those lowers. And I said, no, you, you got everything I had yesterday. I've got another 25 coming in in time for the, for the gun show next week. And he said, I'll take them all. Hmm. So that was obviously suspicious. A young man, pockets full of cash, not a great deal of knowledge about what he was buying uh, so I dog-eared his 4473, his background check, and then Monday morning I called my contact at the local ATF office and explained to him what I thought this person was up to in the in fact that he was not buying these lowers or guns for himself but was buying them to pass on to somebody else. So he had me fax the 4473, and he called me back later that day. He says, you know, <laughs> we've discovered this person does have some ties to the cartel. And would you be able to come in tomorrow and talk to my boss and explain to him what happened? I said, sure, not a problem. I just thought it was part of my duty as a, a federal firearms licensee to, to help out. And uh, much to my surprise, when I met his boss, he said, "We we really would like you to go ahead with the sale of these 25 lowers. It's instrumental in us making a case. And, uh, we'll, we'll surveil it. We'll make sure you're safe. And, and, uh, would you mind doing that? I said, you know, without even thinking, sure. I'm I'm glad to help. He said, well, before you leave today, would you mind calling this guy and we're going to record it? You don't mind, do you? you I remember I mentioned the slippery slope there. So this (laughs) is the start of that slope. No, I don't mind. Glad to help you guys. Made that call, recorded it. And, uh. They put one guy behind my tables the next show when I transferred those 25 lowers to this individual. Um, And this was like turning on the tap. And then the next time I heard from this individual, he wanted 50 lower receivers. And uh, not a bright person, just in normal conversation, I found out that they were taking these lowers to a uh, uh, mailbox, etc., Franchise and actually shipping them over to California. There was a guy in California that was buying uppers via mail order, assembling short-barreled rifles, and then they were putting them in in, uh, cars and driving them across the border to Tijuana for use by the cartels. So that's how this all started. But at some point along the line, ATF said, "Well, you know, we don't have a gun show for another three weeks." But we really want these people to have the guns. Your license address is your home address, so do you mind meeting with them at your house and giving them the guns there? And slippery slope again. That became the way we did business. We we didn't do it at gun shows anymore because there are just too many people around that could affect what we were trying to do. So um Two three nights a week, I'd have cartel associates in my living room, right where I'm broadcasting to you from now. Wow. Looking at guns, buying guns, bringing in plastic garbage bags of cash, sometimes twenty thousand dollars, sometimes fifty thousand dollars,
0: amazing,
2: sometimes more, um, and and meeting with those those people. And we did have I did have one instance where. Um, it, things got a little tent tight a little bit of tension between me and one of the cartel bodyguards uh because as i was doing paperwork i found him standing behind me for no reason and i told the one guy that was bilingual told this guy to go sit his ass down on the couch yeah and he didn't like that very much and i spun around to look at him and i Pretty sure he had his hand on his gun, and I had my hand on my gun, and he went and sat down on the couch finally. But it was a very (laughs) pregnant pause, a Mexican standoff, if you will, for probably about 20 seconds while we looked at each other's eyes and see, you know, who's going to blink first. Hmm. And the next day, uh, I was down at the federal building going through a debrief with these people, and the resident agent in charge said, hey, we, we got an ID on the big guy that was at your house last night. He said, big, this guy was about six foot four and about probably about 260 pounds of solid muscle, which was unusual for a group of people I was dealing with. Most of these guys I could physically pick up and throw across the room. I mean, they were small. Yeah. This guy was twice their size. He says, this guy's wanted for a couple murders in Mexico. He's an assassin. Jeez. And then I relayed my story and, and, his response to that was, well, you know, Mike, don't worry about it. He goes, whatever you have to do, if you have to do something, don't wait. Hmm. Don't wait. Do what you have to do. And if worse comes to worse, we'll come in and help you shampoo your carpets.
0: Okay.
2: So. Uh, How reassuring. That was, that, that was a, the, the mentality of, of what I was dealing with. And, and just to mention at these meetings at my house, there would always be, not always, but usually was a surveillance group outside. I had one car across the street, which the case agent sat in. Uh, that was about 80 yards from my front door. He's listening to me through a transmitter that works sporadically. And the rest of the team is throughout the neighborhood, so it's not obvious they're not all congregating on one spot. But that was my closest help. Uh, I didn't have anybody inside the house with me. It was a a case agent 80 yards away um, uh, that would have had to make a decision based on what he heard from the transmitter, assuming it's working at the moment. And uh, it's just a screwed up deal. I mean, federal agency that has, you know, 20 year old listening device and doesn't have the money to upgrade it to newer equipment. And for, for instance, when I got started with them, when I, when they asked me to call these cartel associates, uh, they gave me a cassette re- recorder with the little suction piece you put on your earphone. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but records the conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, on my own, I went out and bought a, a digital recorder and that made things a lot easier because I could email those recordings.
0: Sure.
2: I could, Uh, download them to a CD and then take them to them, and then they'd label it as evidence and so forth. Uh, It just made things much easier than the the, uh, transmitter that they were using.
0: You know, it's funny, um, and we're talking with Mike Deddy, author of uh, Operation Wide Receiver uh, here on Rapid Fire, 2A Talk Radio Show. If you want to call or text 508-444-2120 or type in your question in the chat, and I'll ask uh, Mike for you. Um, but i've i 've mentioned on the show a lot Mike that the criminal element largely um isn 't very smart per se they're they 're very uh, they choose to be criminal because in some way it appeals to them in some way it 's the easy way out and they're they 're not very bright people if you will. But it also sounds like that was the case with some of the people you dealt with in your living room. But also, it sounds like the case with a lot of people that you dealt with in the surveillance van down the street or in the federal building down the road. If, am I correct? I mean, this is sure. the, the well, situation. Oh, yes. Yeah. A-
2: absolutely. In fact, it's it just an anecdote. You know, one night, I'm in my living room standing around, and, and if you get my book, look at it, there, there's pictures of My living room was very bare, and it would allow me to stack guns. And I tried to make a presentation. So when they came in, they would say, this guy's got a nice inventory. You know, I would have 40 AR-15s and and boxes stacked, and and the top gun would be what is in the rest of the stack there, and 38 Supers and um, all sorts of Kalashnikovs and so forth. And so they'd come in and they'd look around. And while I had one group in my living room that night, um, I see this bright flash outside my front window. And, you know, my eyes went directly to it. It couldn't, couldn't help. You know, it's just a natural reaction. And here's an agent that had got down in back of these cartel kids' car and used his Surefire flashlight to illuminate the, uh, the license plate. <laughs> so he could write it down and in technology back then i don't think we had flashlights that you know like my, my surefire now you know i can i hit it three times to get maximum setting but the lowest setting is just like for walking around a trail or something and not being noticed and uh so that, that's the lever mentality and back then we had embossed license plate i mean If he had put his hand on that license plate, he could have felt every number and letter of the license plate and not given away his position like that. I was fortunate that night that nobody noticed. I was the only one in the living room that saw that flash of light and realized what was going on. How stupid do you have to be to do that? Right. There was another night, one of the guys I did a lot of business with, he lived on the other side of Tucson, about 40 minutes away, He called me up when he got home. He said, Mike, someone followed me from your house all the way to my house. (laughs) I said, really? What kind of car was it? He said it was a gray pickup truck, a Nissan gray pickup truck. I said, oh, well, it couldn't have been a cop. He said, why do you say that? I said, well, think about it. If cops arrest somebody, they have to put them in the back seat. There's no back seat in the pickup truck. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy went, oh, yeah. I said, here's what you need to do figure out who you know that knows you're buying guns and have all that cash and the guns. I think it's somebody on your end. And I tried to put it back on him. And as far as I know it, it worked. He never uh, expressed any kind of uh, reservation that maybe I was working with law enforcement or anything. But law enforcement knows how to do rolling surveillances where, the car following is is replaced every couple blocks, so that these people have no idea that they're being watched. And apparently, all that was set aside one night because somebody got lazy and didn't really care. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I mean, to them, I was just a Charlie. Char- Charlie is a pseudonym for a, a confidential informant, and uh, by nature, uh, confidential informants are disposable. And usually because informants are usually people that are trying to have a sentence reduced or trying to stay out of jail. Mm. I became a confidential informant because I thought it was the right thing to do and I really didn't have a problem with helping law enforcement. Yet some of the people in law enforcement treated me like I was a Charlie trying to stay out of jail instead of a a good guy, a patriot, trying to do the right thing.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Um, Yeah. And to put you in that position where you had to think on your feet like that, uh, and then they just kind of slough it off as, oh, you know, you know what you're doing, and you, we we trust yeah. you, and you know. it's it, it was not a big deal to them, right? Yeah, crazy. They're not. It's not their neck on the line. They're not right. the one facing, you know, these cartel guys who have nothing to lose, really. The big guy in your living room who's wanted in Mexico for murder. What does he have to lose, right? He doesn't have much yeah. to lose. <laughs> uh, and then,
2: there, were, there were a couple times where, uh, see, I dealt with five different cartels in the three years that I worked with ATF. There was one that kept putting together bigger and bigger orders. And one of the concerns, and the, and the ATF was very truthful with me about it, was at some point in time, these orders are going to get so big that they feel like they're not going to need to deal with you anymore and they would rather keep their money.
0: Mm.
2: And at that point, they'll just knock you out, take the guns, and keep the money.
0: Right. It's game over. So that was
2: one of of the things that was always on my mind is that, you know, is this $70,000 order that they're coming to pick up tonight, is that going to be their last purchase because they're going to just rub me out and take the guns, keep Mm. their money?
0: yeah crazy. Well, I'm glad that uh, you know you were smart enough to a document yourself to protect yourself against the ATF, and you know there's one thing I think that we've learned from these gunwalking schemes that leave a lot of egg on the face of politicians and government agencies that screwed the job up so bad. That is that they have to have someone to blame, and you, we saw it even recently. It was in the news that they're trying to lay the pin the blame on the gun dealers, on these border towns, and say, "Oh, they're the reason all these guns are going into Mexico." And it's like, "Wait a minute, we were working at your direction, knuckleheads. We're the ones who came to you, alerted you that this is the, the a problem, and you." went and dumped tens of thousands of guns into Mexican drug cartels' hands.
2: and That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. And so the ATF and the politicians that were involved wanted to make sure that they didn't, you know, take the fall for this horrible situation gone bad. And so they want to pin it on you. And also, on the other hand, you got to worry about looking over your shoulder against... The people you actually sold the guns to, and you were helping, uh, you, you know, you were helping the ATF try to build a case against them that they aren't going to come back as some sort of reprisal. And it, and as it kind of came out in your book, thankfully you played that role very well. And a lot of them were like, "Shoot, if Mike finds out I got rolled up, he's going to kill me." You know, <laughs> so fortunately for you, you played the bad guy very well as also.
2: Well, you know, with the end result of Operation Wide Receiver, there were 30 people arrested. Every one of them uh, pled guilty. And that's because they would sit them down with their lawyers and play videotapes of them coming in or out of my house or audio recordings of them talking to me inside my house. But the one thing it did, and and <laughs> the one thing I was always promised uh, the assistant U.S. attorney that handled that case, um, God bless her, uh, Laura Gwynn was her name, uh, she exposed me in court documents, and that was one thing they promised would never happen, is that my identity would be exposed. ATF had told me that the way they set up their their books would be that the confidential informant was somebody talking to me, and I was the corrupt gun dealer and telling them, this information, and that's how they, their notes and so forth, were supposed to reflect it. Mm. Well, the, the assistant U.S. attorney goes, "Oh, that's ridiculous." Um, what did he expect? He had to expect that oh. he's going to get exposed anyway. That was her attitude. So, uh, when Brian Terry, the border patrol border patrol agent, that was killed uh, with one of these fast and furious guns, um. William Newell, who was the special agent in charge of Arizona as well as New Mexico, he came out and said publicly that no guns were ever allowed to walk. Uh, And, of course, he was in charge of both Operation Wide Receiver and Fast and Furious. And when he said that, having already been exposed by the assistant U.S. attorney, I was in a position where I didn't have anything to lose. And my motivation at that point was... Throughout all of this, I've tried to be a good American. I've tried to be a patriot. I've tried to help law enforcement. But now that I understand what's happening with his denial about letting guns walk, now I know that he's up to something. That he had to start a uh, um, he had to, he had to backstep and cover up his trail. Obviously, there's lying going on, mm. and I didn't want to be a part of it. I didn't want my name associated with him. That's why I decided to go public. Went public. I somehow managed to run into Cheryl Atkinson from CBS News, and that was my my first public, you um, know, what the right word is, uh, uh, exposure regarding this. It's investigation. It's not an investigation. It was never an investigation. It was a plot mm. to deliver guns to Mexican cartels. That's
0: all. Unbelievable! It was. Unbelievable! What a dark time in our history. And uh, you think you're doing the right thing, and man. Could have you know if if you didn't protect yourself so well, it could have come back to bite you. And so we're glad that all worked out for you, Mike. And um, what what about Shot Show? Are you going this year? Are you? I'm going. All yes. right. And are I anything? Have you been going every year, or do you go every year? So,
2: uh, other than the one year the pandemic shut, shut down, I think this is my thirty second consecutive show. Wow. You know. And it's always amazing because at least once a year I'll get just sicker than a dog, but it's never happened the week that I'm at SHOT. <laughs> well,
0: that's good. Uh, and uh, anything you're looking forward to this year at SHOT? Or, uh... Well, you know, I've been in the
2: industry a long time. So at this point, mostly it's, it's saying hi to old friends and, and getting a chance to visit with them. Some of them, it's the only time of the year I get to see them. And uh, uh, so that's what I always look forward to. But, of course, I'm hoping that somebody has something new that, that I'll see and I just have, have to absolutely
0: have. <laughs> That's always the temptation when you go, right? Well, thanks yep. so much, Mike. And uh, tell people how they can find your work if they want to follow what you do and and uh, get your book. Where's the best place they could get that?
2: Sure. So for gun-related articles, uh, tactical-life, tacticallife.com, and uh, I believe personaldefenseworld.com and BallisticMag.com are some of my my publishers' different websites where you can and just go to the search bar and type in D-E-T-T-Y, Daddy, like Betty but with a D at the front. And regarding my book, Operation Wide Receiver, uh, it's available at Amazon either in book form, paperback, um, also uh, um, electronic and audio. Cool.
0: Very good. A lot of people doing audiobooks these days, myself included. But uh, so, really nice talking to you, Mike. I appreciate your time. And I, hopefully, I'll run into you out at Shot Show because uh, I am going this year. So, uh,
2: good. I look forward to it. Yeah,
0: it'd be great. And uh, good to see you. And we'll definitely have to do this again if, you'd, if you would be so kind. And uh, I appreciate all you do for the Second Amendment. Hey, I
2: appreciate you, Toby. Thanks again for having me back.
0: Anytime, Mike. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.
2: Oh, thank you, sir.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been an awesome conversation, and uh, we're going to be doing it again next week. So uh, uh, tune in at rapidfireradio.us and uh, capegunworks.com. We appreciate everyone's time every week, and stay tuned. we got another, uh, for a little bonus after the break, the rubber match between me and Ben DeWalt on Toby Takes on the World out on the range so you don't want to miss that and uh i appreciate you guys god bless make sure you're a 2a advocate in your community the show ends here there's lots of content on RapidFireRadio.us. you can always leave us a message on the rapid fire line 508-444-2120 and keep up the good fight support your local community be an advocate for responsible gun ownership and together as americans we can overcome anything i'm toby leary god bless we'll see you next time